shark, swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. little breeze the Philippine Sea offered died away and the water became a pane of glass. The ever-present oil slick continued to thin out. Patches of clear blue water changed shapes around the men and became temporary windows into the undersea world that held them. Quint held his free hand in the water in front of him. He watched the small tropical scavenger fish drift towards him. It nibbled on the loose dead bits of skin hanging from his fingers. The salt water was a corrosive on the men. It ate away their weakened skin with every minute they spent submerged. Their arms and bodies formed white patches of dying flesh. Quint took his index finger and scraped the edge of his nail down the side of his thumb, tearing away a strip of dead skin. He felt nothing and flicked the skin to the little scavenger fish. The fish didn't hesitate to kick its tail and with a flutter of fin, sucked the offering into its mouth. Quint let out the faintest of snickers, the morbid amusement of witnessing himself being eaten by a fish before he died. His mind wondered what would happen to his body. He never gave it much thought until that very moment when he watched the small scavenger fish consume part of his flesh without hesitation. It moved backwards and continued to watch him, waiting for its next meal. Quint didn't blame the fish. It was just doing what it had to do to survive. He reached out to touch the fish, and it moved back further but never took its gaze off the ghostly white dead flesh of Quint's hand. Like the sharks, it had all the time in the world, and it waited. And with that, that's an excerpt from the Book of Quint, Chapter 7. Thank you, everyone, for returning for an Episode 42 of the Jaws Obsession. We are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Welcome back, everybody. It's been quite a little break that we had there, but there are no breaks here in the Jaws Obsession. I've been working hard. It's good to be back. It's good to be back with you, and uh, we're going to get into this with Episode 42, Jaws Easter Eggs. Can we tell history to characters of Jaws by their wardrobe, but also in how they wear that wardrobe? 
what can that tell us about the characters in Jaws? Well, we're going to get to a fan email that triggered this one a little bit later in the episode. There was a little delay in getting another show recorded because it has been nonstop. I went through a copy edit of the Book of Quint, a blitz to get it to the formatter. I've learned a lot about the editorial evolution that books go through. That's why I contracted out a formatter to work on the Book of Quint with me. Her area of expertise was to uh, come with what a what is best for the printing to get a printable file to take down uh, for the for the printing of the Book of Quint. The book is looking fantastic. So in order to get her those files, I had to go through and make the final revisions, second to last round of revisions in the Book of Quint. And then from there, what I wanted to do was get the book down to a lean, mean fighting machine and get it into a fighting weight that was, uh, so it's going to be fit and trim. And uh, so the formatter uh, did her work and sent it back to me. And then I made another copy of the Book of Quint, of which I'm going through a sixth time because you can never be, when you're trying to put something out like this, you can never be too careful. So I put out an announcement to the campaign backers about the, the Book of Quint being at the formatters. And the next one is going to be when uh, I, I can't wait to update them with the uh, when I am en route to the printers, which would be very nice. So we're, we're right down to the wire. We're right down to this moment in time. It's very exciting. And that's why today what we're going to have is we're going to have a lighter episode. Uh, I just want to go through some emails, this email list. Everybody's emailing their support for the Book of Quint and for the Jaws Obsession. It's great. It's fun to see everybody's enthusiasm. I'm excited. I can't wait for everybody to read this book because there's so much that went into this. It's quite a story. It's unlike anything that you might expect when dealing with the Jaws universe. And that's what's exciting about it. So I can't wait for people to read the story and talk about it and enjoy it and see what I've been seeing for the last 29 months. So getting back to episode 42, we have Jaws Easter Eggs 2. Uh, if you remember back on episode 28, we had a Jaws Easter Eggs episode uh, where we talked about hidden things in the backgrounds and what might be hiding in plain sight in Jaws that has a hidden meaning, or we can extrapolate information about characters using certain elements that might be sitting there in the frame in Jaws. So those are called Easter eggs. We had a comment from one of the campaign backers over at Indiegogo.com, which was an excellent comment and a question. And that inspired me to, that kind of triggered this to do another Easter eggs episode. So to, before we get to the emails, the one special announcement that I'm going to make now on the Jaws obsession regarding the book of Quint, as you know, in the last episode, Benchley IP LLC granted me permission to take the book of Quint into publication with the caveat that we would have 10% of profits from the Book of Quint will go to shark research and conservation, which I am extremely excited about. Uh, that that it's That's an extremely exciting narrative that I never expected, and I'm very excited to get to that. So uh, of the list of entities that was given to me by Benchley IPLLC, I chose the organization Beneath the Waves at BeneathTheWaves.org. Beneath the Waves is dedicated to promoting ocean health and using science to catalyze ocean policy with a focus on shark conservation and marine protected areas. They have a great team of people over there at Beneath the Waves. And I think that their team of professional researchers, scientists, and innovators, I can almost guarantee you they're all JAWS fans. 
And I can almost guarantee that they are going to really like what I have tried to do with the book of Quint with explaining the shark behavior during the evolution of the story. And that it will be exciting to see going forward for every one of you to know that when you purchase a copy of the book of Quint in the future with, uh, when we go into publication, we're going to have to find a publisher. That's, these are all things that have to happen and they haven't already. So this is how new this, uh, this is how early we are in this, in the game here. But when we do find a publisher, that publisher will uh, be aware of this 10% to shark research and conservation request by Wendy Benchley and Benchley IPLLC. When you purchase a copy of the Book of Quint, and from now until the rest of tomorrow's, 10% of, of the profits from that will be going to Beneath the Waves. So what I wanted to do today for a special moment for episode 42 was, I'm so excited to get right into this and jump in with both feet. Uh, today, earlier today, right before I recorded this, I took 10% of the total monies raised off the Indiegogo campaign, and I donated that to BeneathTheWaves.org. It might not be much, but what it is, is it's a start. And that's what we really need here is we need, this is, we're, we're starting the processes. We're, we're pushing the boat further down the water here. And this is just another stroke. So that's what uh, is excited. So beneaththewaves.org, I'm sure we're going to be hearing from more from them in the future. That's the entity that I chose. And I'm excited to already be in contact with them. And, uh, and we're going to go forward from there. So you're going to hear about them a lot more on the Jaws Obsession into the future. For now, that's what's exciting. So already for all the sponsors to the Indiegogo campaign out there that uh, you have done, uh, you have advanced shark research and conservation with your sponsorship to the Book of Quint already. So I applaud um, every one of you. And I also want to thank Wendy Benchley and Benchley IPLLC at delivering this new narrative arc into something that has the potential to e to grow even further. So I'm excited and it was very nice to see that and I will be in contact with them next week and we're going to see where things go with that. So that's exciting. So I, that's one of the special announcements. If everyone wants to follow the links below in the broadcast platform that you're listening on, beneaththewaves.org, and you can go check them out over there at their wonderful website, and see what, they, uh, what they've been up to. They've been featured on uh, many different uh, Discovery Channel, Forbes, National Geographic, Shark Week. We're, we're off and rolling here. The Book of Quint is going to help sharks, and it's very exciting. So let's jump into some comments here. The listener feedback has been tremendous after the last episode where we announced the permission to go into publication and that the Book of Quint will now be an authorized derivative work of JAWS which is very exciting. That's very exciting. It's very important going forward for that. For many avenues, and we're going to explain that later on in, in future episodes, listener Lydia from the Amity Jaws group on Facebook, she is one of the uh, campaign sponsors over at Indiegogo.com. So she's waiting for the book of Quint. And she posted when she got delivered uh, the postcard for the Amity Island postcard. She says, mail was super slow. I just got this in the mail and I love it. Side note, my mom had no clue what the postcard was for. I had to explain it to her while my cousins teased me about being obsessed with Jaws because I quoted the whole scene from the beach to mom. But I love it. I love it. I love it. So she's enthusiastic and very excited. Thanks, Lydia, for mentioning and for promoting. She's on her social media on the Amity Jaws group 
on Facebook, and she's out there with her postcard showing everybody what Amity Island is going to look like going forward. And that's the type of engagement we like. And that's a, that's the type of engagement that's really going to help this project go forward because there's a, there were some great comments and people are interested in seeing all those little things. So she was excited. And Lydia, that's, and that's funny that she says the, her mom had no clue what the postcard was for. See, what happened is the postcard was made in an antique style. Um, and on the back, it's inscribed from Herschel. So Herschel's writing to everybody and uh, wishing they were there on Amity. So some people are going, who's Herschel? I have no idea who Herschel is. So it's it's funny hearing some of the stories about family members and people getting these postcards going, do you know who a Herschel? Do we know a Herschel? And then it, it, it clicks when they see that it's uh, Amity Island and that it's from the Book of Quint. So it's, it's exciting. That's part of the little things that we can do going forward uh, is have fun, right? We can have fun with this concept that the expanded Jaws universe is, there's more there than we've ever known, and we're going to have fun discovering it. Uh, Dale writes in from England, uh, hey Ryan, I hope you're well. I received the Amity Island postcard today. May I say, may I say this is amazing and very retro. Oh, and congratulations on the good news regarding the Book of Quint. Come on, Mr. Spielberg, you've got to make this movie. Kind regards, Dale. So, Dale, thank you very much for writing in. Dale is also was able to receive the postcard even all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, and that's wonderful. Wonderful to see. So thanks for writing in, Dale. And uh, yes, I agree, Mr. Spielberg, let's make this movie. It's wonderful to see, to know, and I'm very excited that I mean, you've been hearing my voice for now. This is going to be episode 42. If, if my numbers are correct, this is going to be uh, the episode that puts us over 24 hours of content. So you've heard my voice and the voice of guests for over a day, a day of time, right? So 24 hours. So what happened is, is that when you read the book of Quint, we're connected and that it's not going to be, you don't need the movie anymore. The power is in our hands now. Yours, the listener, and the Book of Quint is the power is now that you, your imagination, you are going to watch this movie in your mind. That's the way I wrote the book. And that's what's exciting about it. After, after we got permission from Benchley IPLLC, I know that you will be watching this movie in your mind. Now, whether that goes on to a real movie or anything else like that, that remains to be seen, but this is a big, big deal. Everything is there for you to actually watch the movie in your mind. So all you got to do is now you can have the fun part. You can, you can cast different characters or you can watch the younger versions of the characters that you have in your imagination because you know Jaws so well. And that's what's exciting about this. And I can't wait for people to read the Book of Quint just for that aspect alone. Let's move on. Let's move on here. Hi, Ryan. Congratulations on getting the permission to publish the Book of Quint. All your hard work has paid off, and the fans really appreciate it. Last night's episode was great. I am sure the momentum will continue to build now that it make and make it a bestseller. As you said in episode 40, you wrote it with the design of the roller coaster ride, so it will make a great read and hopefully into a new movie. Congratulations again. I wish you all the best. Dreams do come true, my brother. Great job, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin A. The roller coaster ride does not have to detail. That's what's wonderful about this is that it follows the humanity of the situation, the humanity of uh, what is going on. As you saw from the excerpt 
that I just read at the beginning of this episode, even if you go listen to episode 37, which was chapters 16 and 17 from the book of Quint, there's no sharks, right? There's talk of sharks. There's more to Jaws than just, it's not a killer shark movie, right? We, we always say, we always say here at the Jaws Obsession, Jaws was a human movie that just happened to have a monster shark in it. It's not a monster shark movie. So what we're dealing with here, the book of Quint takes that theme and just stretches it out. You get right into the characters' minds and what is going on, uh, their motivations that make them into the characters that we meet in Jaws. That was what I was always fascinated with. And I believe the book of Quint is successful, is successful in portraying that. So very exciting. Thanks, Kevin, for writing in. And I can't wait for you to read the book as well. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to read the book. Indiegogo campaign is going to be coming to an end officially, probably tomorrow, uh, in, on the 20th, on the 20th of October. So uh, that's going to close down. And just because it's not going to be, uh, the sponsorships will not be available anymore, does not mean that you won't have an opportunity to read the Book of Quint. That's why we need a publisher. And that's why we have to go through all the next steps to get this book out there. If you did not get a chance to sponsor the Book of Quint, don't worry, it's going to be out there for you to enjoy. Uh, it's only, we just have to find a way to uh, to get it out there. So that will be the uh, the focus going forward. But it, it will be nice to know that additions are going to be sent out to the sponsors. And then sponsors, everybody, all the, uh, the 80 sponsors to the Book of Quint, we're going to need you to be our... Uh, beta readers, as they call it in the industry. Beta readers are people that read something uh, be, before it's out, right? So what they're going to be doing is we're going to be relying on them to read the book, talk about it, uh, let us know what they think, create the excitement and steamroll it into publication. Another email we had was from Noel. Let's see here. Noel, Noel wrote in, I just wanted to congratulate you on getting the Benchley seal of approval. What fantastic news. He said, uh, John put out a nice post on his Instagram this morning about it. And, and as an eagerly awaiting recipient of the book, it really adds to my excitement. So I can only imagine how exciting and encouraging it is for you. If you might allow me, I wanted to weigh in on a possible idea for a future installment of the Jaws Obsession. I know you said that you would be returning to the topic of the Orca, Episode 19 was definitely my favorite as I've listened to it several times now. And I was wondering whether or not you might consider setting aside an entire episode to chronicle the fate of the Orca 2. I know that perhaps it doesn't lend itself to building uh, the, on the Jaws universe, which you do quite a fine job of, by the way. But it is really interesting story, especially when you consider Lynn Murphy. His contributions to the movie itself and his friendship with Robert Shaw and his efforts futile though they were, to save the Orca 2 could be an episode unto itself. I just love the story of the Orca 2 and would personally love to hear you and John talk about it. Again, congratulations on the book news, and I can't wait for episode 42. And here we are on episode 42, Noel. Thank you so much for writing in, and it's a great it's a great idea, and uh, I do have, I'm working on, so yes, we, John knows a lot about the Orca 2, and for people that don't know, there were two Orcas made for Jaws. Uh, the main orca was the actual boat that cruised around and did all the stunt work and all that. And then they had another one called the Orca 2. And the Orca 2 was made, was a fiberglass replica of the orca. And what that was done, it, built, it was built and it was created to look ex exactly like it. And what that was done, that was made to sink on demand. So they could, they had a system of barrels underneath the hull. And when they flooded those barrels 
or when they when they flooded those barrels with water, the boat would sink. When they filled it back up with air, it would come up. So that that was the orca too, and that had its own fate as uh, as well. And it stayed on Martha's Vineyard, where the real orca went back to California. So. Um, and as far as Lynn Murphy goes, I love the Lynn Murphy angle of Jaws, and we will get into that. In fact, I have been uh, I have been in contact with a Jaws author, and I want to get him on the show. And I think I'm I can I think I can get him on the show because he actually met Lynn Murphy, and he uh, has extensive information about Lynn Murphy. And I would love to do a Lynn Murphy episode with this author. So eventually I'm going to get that down. Once this book of Quint uh, chaos simmers down, we're going to be able to get into this uh, a little bit better. But we got a Lynn Murphy episode definitely coming up in the future. And and John definitely will come back. I know he'll come back and we'll talk about the Orca 2 and the fate of the Orca 2. So it might just be a two-parter we can do that. But that's a great idea, Noel. And because you mentioned it, we are going to get to that. And now uh, we just got to get this book out first. Once we get this book out, we're going to be able to get into a lot more cool Jaws stuff. So, But thank you for writing in, Noel, and look out for that in the future. So yeah, so uh, so I don't know uh, I don't know everything there is about Jaws. All I know is that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. And as you know, with our tagline at the beginning of every show, to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time, that's not just something that's catchy. That's something that I really do believe. And I I could do a whole episode on the columns of what makes a greatest movie of all time, in my opinion and that Jaws is at the top of all of those columns. Now, you can have, uh, uh, I, you know what, I'm not going to get into it because this episode is already going to be really long. Trust me that, that when, you fit, when you look at it in an objective point of view, when you stand back and look at it, you, 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 you step back, you take a bird's eye view of it all, Jaws checks all those boxes to make it the greatest movie of all time. So we had a Brian D. wrote in, that he said, uh, let's see, Brian D. wrote in, I've recently started listening to Quentin Tarantino's podcast, Now Showing. In the episode released on September 26th of 2022, Tarantino and his co-hosts discussed three films, including the Jaws-inspired Piranha. At the timestamp of 1.38 and 53 seconds, so one hour, 38 minutes, 53 seconds, Tarantino says that he actually thinks Jaws is the greatest movie ever made. Uh, just thought you'd like to have that quote soundbite for one of the most prolific directors in Hollywood and a bona fide cinema snob. Love the podcast. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women from Brian D. Thanks, Brian. And let's, let's you know what? I looked it up. Well, let's just play that right now. Quentin Tarantino, famous uh, director, Oscar-winning screenwriter, and movie connoisseur, let's hear what he says about Jaws. Is in the case of Piranha. Now, I'm not saying Piranha is as good as Jaws, because I actually think Jaws is the greatest movie ever made. Not the greatest film ever made, but what's supposed to be a movie, everything that a movie is supposed to be, Jaws you're, is. You're yeah. never going to get better than Jaws. Jaws is the pinnacle of that. It's I, the greatest movie ever made. And there you have it. We have Quentin Tarantino reaffirming what we've always say on the Jaws Obsession, that it's the greatest movie ever made. That's great. W wonderful little discovery there, Brian. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention because the Jaws Obsession needs to hear stuff like that, that we're not, that, that, uh, that we are onto something here. 
when we have great minds think alike and we all are on the same page. So uh, we invite Quentin, Quentin Tarantino to listen to the Jaws Obsession and uh, maybe he'll read the book of Quint. Maybe he'll actually give us a uh, thumbs up on the book. We'll see. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, it's great. It's great when we have fan engagement like that. I love the listener engagement on this show. Remember, if you are a listener to the Jaws Obsession, you are the most aware and educated of Jaws fans in the world that you have. Uh, you are thinking outside of the box when you watch Jaws. It is not a one level movie. You are seeing the multiple layers and it's wonderful to see. So thank you very much. I love listener engagement like this. Thank you very much for writing in, Brian. A great email from Jason L. Jason L. writes in and he said, I just wanted, good morning. I just wanted to say that I really enjoy the Jaws podcast as it makes my morning and afternoon commute so much more tolerable. If you are looking for material for upcoming episodes, I have an idea for you. Uh, and it's Ben Gardner's head. More specifically, what happened to his head? Uh, I write for trivia. I write trivia for bars and restaurants. And after I went down that a rabbit hole, I found an article with Spielberg about the head. Apparently, it went missing for years until Spielberg was watching an episode of The Walking Dead, and I think it was titled "Walk with Me" with his family on a Sunday night. Uh, and randomly saw it in a tank in the background and wound up getting it back. Anywho, like I said, I really enjoy the podcast. And if you need some fodder. Maybe that's an idea for you. Keep up the great work, Jason. Well, Jason, we actually, there's a, this is probably one of the biggest things that people write in about. Um, I've actually, this is like the third time that people have wrote in about Ben Gardner. And um, that's, that's going to be the topic of a future episode. I'm just waiting. So what happens is, is that I have a theory about Ben Gardner, uh, an entire backstory on how, uh, on how he dies. And, I have to get that one. I'm looking at getting a actual coroner, a medical examiner on the show to verify that theory of mine using visual clues in the movie Jaws. So that's what we, that's what we do here. We take the frames and we look at it and we look at it through that lens of, can we prove this theory using the frame, the various frames of Jaws? I believe I can. I have a whole theory for it. It's just lining up the guess to make that possible. But there is a Ben Gardner theory of mine and that will be coming out. It's, it's actually pretty cool. So, um, and actually, you know what? It's probably better. I talk about that after the book of Quint is released because there are, uh, there are elements in the book of Quint that will explain how Ben Gardner dies, which is really cool. I love that. I love it when there's, uh, that <laughs> when stuff lines up like that, but if I can get that corner, if I can get that medical examiner on the show, or at least a statement from him. I think we got the episode. Uh, those notes will be all locked in and I can actually do that. So that would be very exciting. As for the Ben Gardner head and the Spielberg, what, what I do know, uh, what we do know is that the floating head in the governor's aquarium is a replica of Ben Gardner's severed head in Jaws. So Greg Nicotero was the director for many episodes of The Walking Dead. He's also been into visual effects and creature creator makeup effects for decades in Hollywood. So Greg Nicotero, Greg Nicotero actually owns the, um, he's the owner of the Ben Gardner head that was used in the filming of Jaws for that extra scene that Spielberg shot in Verna Field's pool back in 1974. 
uh, artists, uh, in fact, Greg Nicotero posted a picture of artist uh, Werner Kepler in 1974 with Ben Gardner's head from Jaws in his creature uh, makeup room. And that head now travels around. Sometimes you'll see that at various uh, conventions or at Jaws Fest. So uh, we do know that Greg Nicotero made a replica of it that was used in Walking Dead that was in the aquarium. And that might be what Spielberg was referencing, which is pretty cool. So uh, that, that, uh, that's as much as I know about the story. I will try to find out more when we do our Ben Gardner episode, because that's going to be a mega episode because there's some really cool details that can be revealed and extrapolated from Jaws regarding Ben Gardner. Once we know the backstory to Quint, and that's what's very important about the Book of Quint, is that the Book of Quint, remember, it actually fleshes out Amity Island. It fleshes out the whole narrative arc. So then you can actually draw conclusions into your viewing of Jaws. And that's what's exciting about this is by being an authorized derivative work of Jaws, it's going to make it official. So we're going to be able to say, uh, using this authorized derivative work, we're, we're going to be able to prove these theories. And that's what's exciting. So thanks for writing in, Jason. And yes, the Ben Gardner episode is en route. But again, after the Book of Quint settles down, after we get that out, we're going to be able to get into some of these more detailed episodes. Okay, so let's get into the comment that I received that uh, that is going to trigger the rest of this episode here from Keith Verdi. Keith Verdi, he's a backer on uh, Book of Quint campaign for Indiegogo at, over at Indiegogo.com, and he left a comment where he said, Hi, Ryan, I recently put a pledge in for the Book of Quint, and I am looking forward to reading the book. I'm very happy to hear that it was granted an authorized derivative work. A quick question in on Quint in the movie Jaws. In minute number 111, so on the 111th minute, and I love that. I love it when Jaws fans get specific. That's great. That's great. So in, on the 100, in the 111th minute, Quint comes out with two life jackets and his shirt is buttoned up and his military jacket is on. So if every, I'm going to describe the scene really quick. Um, so the orca just explodes. Okay. And Quint goes down into, he sees that the boat is taking on water. So if you go back to listen and listen to episode 10 of the Jaws obsession, who broke the orca that was describing the events that took place and why that orca exploded. So what happens is, is that that changes your whole under, understanding of the scene in what happened mechanically and who exactly was at fault. So uh, Quint goes and forward in the boat. So Hooper and Brody are out on the aft deck of the Orca, and Quint is in, uh, forward in the boat. And it's one of the more endearing scenes. Um, and it, it actually, there's a lot going on in Quint's mind at this sequence because he's looking around, and you hear that John Williams score, the uh, Farewell and Adieu, um, the haunting little melody that plays. Um, because that's going on in Quint's mind and he steps down into the water. So the orca is taking on water and he is seeing his entire boat. Uh, he's it's going, it's going down. There's no stopping it. This boat's going to sink. And at that point he looks over at the soaking life jackets. As Keith describes, he comes out with two life jackets and his shirt is buttoned up and his military jacket is on and fastened. Keith continues. He says, 
it has been mentioned by others this might have been a continuity mistake, and maybe this is how he came to work in the morning and it was cold, and they started shooting right away. Definitely a possibility. However, I was in the Air Force myself, and I took this as Quint was almost like a reporting to a senior officer captain, since he was basically admitting to Hooper that this what this that his way of doing things with the shark didn't work. So now he was putting his trust in Hooper and wanted to show respect, submission, with buttoning his shirt and putting his military jacket on. It might be a reach, but I just don't think that this was a continuity mistake. Uh, there are parts of me that still do things twenty years later with getting dressed military style. Since Robert Shaw played an officer in the movie Battle of the, the Battle of the Bulge, I think it was his idea to dress like that in the scene to show, show off respect to Hooper, and Spielberg went with it. Also, another part of it could have been that he sure as hell wasn't going to wear a life jacket, but if he was going down with the orca, he was going to have his military jacket on, which was his idea of a life jacket. I was just curious as to what you thought of my perspective on this scene. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you very much for that excellent comment, Keith, because there is a reason why he has his shirt buttoned up. And that reason actually is explained in the, <laughs> in the book of Quint, but we'll get to that right now. The reason why he comes out with his shirt buttoned up, and I uh, figured this out uh, once I went through not only boot camp with the United States Coast Guard, but also when I served on board the Coast Guard Cutter Polar Star, which was an icebreaker class out of Seattle, Washington, and I sailed all over the world. So uh, I've been to Antarctica, I've been to North Pole, the North Pole. We would go break ice up north, we'd go break ice down in uh, Antarctica. So what I can say is this. This is how I always saw it as when, and I will, I've talked to other Marines, former Marines, and I invite anyone out there that's listening to the Jaws Obsession that is a former Navy or former Marine, former Coast Guard, to write in and corroborate what I'm saying here is that what Quint was doing is when we, when, when you went to general quarters or emergency quarters, you were supposed to modify your uniform into a battle dress. Now I went to the Coast Guard. I was in the Coast Guard in the late nineties. And in the late nineties, we still had the old style work uniform that the Coast Guard had. Uh, the Navy had, had the old style work uniform. And what the uh, Coast Guard, what we were told to do is when you go into emergency quarters, um, um, emergency, I'm sorry, when you go into your general quarters, so the boat is in an emergency, you're actually supposed to uh, get into battle dress. Battle dress is actually the, the definition of battle dress. Uh, a battle dress uh, from military wiki, a battle dress is a type of uniform used as a combat uniforms, as opposed to dress uniforms or formal uniform worn at parades and functions. Uh, officially, it's a term for soldiers' work uniforms. So when we would go into emergencies, like uh, if there was a fire on the ship, or if um, when we were in small arms or firearms training, what you had to do was take your military work uniform, you had to roll the sleeves down, uh, button up the sleeves. You had to fasten the top button. And when you fasten the top button, what you do is you, um, that makes it because when you go into uh, small arms fire, you have hot brass flying everywhere. And that keeps brass casings from flying down your shirt. And uh, there's nothing worse than getting burned by a, bra a hot brass casing flying down the back of your collar. So we would have, uh, we would uh, button the top button. In terms of the ship, when we were, I was on a fire team as well because you have to be uh, trained in uh, 
as a fire team, uh, all personnel on the ship have something to do during a general emergency. So we would have to button our top button because if you if there was uh, when you're in the fire uniforms, if uh, the flame retardant uniforms, if it gets really hot and that that uniform is supposed to block the if you get a blast of flame, that should burn away first before it hits your skin. Of course, there was probably polyester in that uniform, so it would melt to our skin anyways. But what Quint was doing, he was reverting back to his old Navy days of getting into battle dress. And what happens is he's going down with the ship. He's already made that decision that he's going down with the ship because a captain goes down with his ship. And that is, uh, that is a very weighted topic. That's a very heavy topic that, um, that is tackled in the book of Quint. But what I wanted to stress here is that top button being done means a lot. And what I did was, if you go to our uh, Telegram channel at Jaws OB, or you can follow the links. You can follow the links down in the description of this broadcast. I will put up some pictures there that I was able to salvage here, and the pictures are in World War II of U.S. Navy personnel on the 40 millimeter Bofors. Now, in the Book of Quint, I have because he came out with his top button buttoned in that scene. I believe that Quint was ready to get heavy with the shark, with the M1 Garant. And he, re he reverted back to his old training. As Keith said, Keith said that there are still parts of me that's, uh, there are parts of me that still do things 20 years later with getting dressed military style. And that's true. Some things never leave you. And that's a lot of habits that I formed in, uh, in the military stayed with me. This is where the Jaws Easter egg comes from. The Easter egg is in Quint's wardrobe. I base the history of Quint. When he comes out with that top button fastened, his sleeves were rolled down already, but he's got his jacket on and it's done up. He's in full battle stations mode. He's ready to uh, go down with the ship and he's going to go down swinging with the M1 Garand. So there's going to be a lot of hot brass flying and he's going to go down in his old, like his old military training. And that's why that button is, that's why he comes out like that. It is his way of going back because there is a lot of survivor's guilt that he's suffering from, from watching all those men get lost in the USS Indian, in the tragedy of the USS Indianapolis. We've already talked about the M51 field jacket that Quint has and how we, we can deduce that Quint stayed in till 1951. When the survivors got back in 1945, he stayed in for another five and a half years until 1951, which was in the uh, Korean War era. Because he's got an M51 field jacket, if he had an M43 field jacket, then we that would, would have been what he had in World War II. So we know that the wardrobe tells us that Quint stayed in. For Jaws, there's Easter eggs all over the movie. But let's focus on Quint's wardrobe. What was Quint wearing during the nails down the chalkboard scene? During his appearance at the Amity Town Hall, Quint is wearing what it looks like is a black shirt or a black coat. What that is, is that is an authentic Navy CPO shirt. The Navy CPO shirt is actually, it's a dark, it's so dark and Navy blue that it looks black at times. CPO stands for Chief Petty Officer. So what we can, uh, what I did was I believe that Quint was, he reached the rank of Chief in the United States Navy. And that is his CPO shirt that he's wearing in that scene in Amity Town Hall. So the the that shirt that he's wearing that 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 overshirt that he's wearing there tells me he re reached the rank of chief. The M51 field jacket 
tells me he stayed until 1951. And then now we have the top button fastened. That tells me he was on some sort of gun station or he was trained with small arms. That's why I believe he reached the rank of chief gunner's mate in the United States Navy. He was not a chief on the, US, the USS Indianapolis, but he was a gunner's mate. And that's why in some of the chapters at the beginning in part one of the Book of Quint, uh, it talks of how he is on the 40 millimeter Beaufort anti-aircraft guns. And what I did was in on our Telegram channel at Jaws OB, I put a couple of uh, put a couple of photos up there of the 40 millimeter uh, Beaufort anti-aircraft guns and the crews working there. And a lot you if you look, a lot of those crews, a lot of those members, they have their sleeves rolled down and uh, their top buttons are buttoned up or maybe not. See, sometimes it, it, when you get an emergency, you don't get into that. But in training, that's what that's what we were instructed to do during training. Now. What's interesting, the little ripple here, is the United States Marines. There was a Marine detachment on the, on the USS Indianapolis. And if you look at the way the Marines are trained during boot camp, during rifle situations, they're told to, to, to button up the top button of their work uniform. Yeah, so even the Marines were told to get into battle dress during rifle range. And what that, that was portrayed very accurately in the movie Full Metal Jacket. If you look in Full Metal Jacket, the, um, some of the scenes between... Uh, the Joker and Pyle, they have their top buttons fastened. And um, Hat is on backwards when Pyle is at the firing range, at the rifle range. So uh, his hat's on backwards, sleeves rolled down, uh, and top button is fastened. And what that is is called battle dress. Full Metal Jacket, I'll put screenshots of Full Metal Jacket and with their top buttons fastened as well on our show notes so everybody can see that this was an actual technique that was used uh, by the servicemen uh, of, from a long time ago. Now remember, this is the uniform that was predating the BDUs. The BDUs that are worn by all the service branches today are battle dress uniforms, BDU. And those are different from the work uniforms that were worn in the 50s, 60s. The work uniforms would have an open collar, so you would actually fasten that top button. That's what it was like for me in the Coast Guard. And, uh, and that's what I do believe that Quint was doing. So if you look at the Marines, I'm going to include two pictures in our uh, Telegram channel over at the show notes. If you look at the two pictures of the Marines uh, that have the, um, the M1s, there, you can look at many of them have their top buttons fastened. So that's really what was going on. I believe that Quint had that rifle up top, and he was going to, I believe he already prepped that while Hooper was down low. I think that once they put the cage in and uh, all that, that I think there was a discussion with Brody, and I think that's how Brody knew to get up to the top and get that M1 Garand. The M1 Garand is an Easter egg all unto itself, and I'm going to do an episode about that in another Easter egg episode. I think that Quint went up there, and he said, when this boat going down, I'm going down with it. I'm going to put as much lead into that shark as I can. And that's what, that's what he was going, that was his original plan. And of course, the shark breaking on, uh, jumping onto the transom breaks that plan apart. So that's how Brody knew to go up on top and that the M1 was going to be up there. There must have been a discussion between Brody and Quint while Hooper was under the water. There it is. That's why he has the top button. It's called Battle Dress. And any of you old Navy guys, anybody that was uh, before these modern day BDU uniforms, which I never liked, I don't think that the BDU uniforms, the old uniforms with 
the belt line and all that. I always thought they looked a lot better. Former service members, uh, write in. Let me know. Let me know if you guys were told to get into battle dress uh, when you were doing uh, firearm training or at the rifle range, just like I was. And I believe that's what Quint was doing. So he was actually recalling being on that gun station on the USS Indianapolis. He's going to go down with the ship because he's the captain, and that's what captains do. Now, in the book of Quint, I did say there were Easter eggs all over the book of Quint that will lateral over to your viewing of Jaws. This is explained in the book of Quint. In a certain scene, you're going to see in a certain part of the book, this is explained. It's very quick, but now all of you that have heard this episode, you will be looking for it, and you're going to go, aha, that light bulb is going to come on. You're going to go, yes, yes, now there it is. That's why. Battle dress. Just remember those that, that term, battle dress, your uniform. And that's why this is so important to have a, an actual prequel to Jaws. Because questions like this, little moments like that, where Robert Shaw playing Quint comes out uh, and throws the life jackets to Hooper and Brody. Folds his arms and he, puts, uh, he sits down on the gunnel of the orca. If you look at what he does, he looks up into the sky and he's got a smile. And I think he already made up his mind that he's going down with that boat. Uh, it, it, shark or no shark, he's going down with that boat. He's got a smile. He's got almost a smile on his face. And then he looks down and then he realizes there's two other guys on this boat. And now those are his responsibility as well. His face changes when he looks down at Hooper's equipment. And that's when he asks Hooper, what can you do with these things of yours? Uh, that was Quint saying, I might be leaving this place, but let's see if we can get these guys out of here. And that was, uh, it, it's a great performance. It's a great little moment. And uh, Jaws is just full of them. And that's why Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. And it's exciting to be here with you once again and to talk about Jaws like this and to just get right inside it. Thank you to all the people that wrote in and to all the listeners. And for your time listening to this, I look forward to the next episode. But right now, we're going to get the rest of this book out. Uh, the formatter and I are working diligently, and I'll be going to the printing press very soon. Very exciting times for the Book of Quint. Thank you very much for listening. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. And that'll be episode 42. And that puts us officially over 24 hours of Jaws Obsession content for everyone to listen to. Very exciting. Thank you very much for listening for over a day of your time. If you listen to every episode, you've been here for over a day. I appreciate it so much. Without your sacrifice and time, Jaws Obsession wouldn't be what it is today. Uh, the movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the fair use guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act. All rights reserved to the copyright owners. And it's exciting that uh, we've announced the Beneath the Waves. Everybody go over to BeneathTheWaves.org to see the entity that promotes, uh, has a focus on shark conservation and marine protected areas. It's going to be exciting knowing that the Book of Quint is going to be helping them out. 
Thank you very much for listening this week. Uh, until next week, farewell and adieu. Show me the way to go home.